What's up, everyone? Ryan Satin here, back with another Raw Roundup. I hope you had a fabulous weekend. Hope your Monday went good as well. I am hanging in there. I feel a little sick. Just like a little bit. I just test myself. I don't have COVID. Don't worry. But I do feel a little sick. And I have had a stressful past few days. So if I am a little grumpy during this week's episode, during this episode, uh, I apologize in advance. I, 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 I don't want to be grumpy, uh, but I know as I'm starting this, as I hit record, I can feel it inside of me that I'm about to do <laughs> this show where I round up what happened on Raw and I'm not in the greatest mood. Let's get through this together, guys. Let's get through this together because my bad mood has nothing to do with Monday Night Raw. So maybe talking about it with you while listening to me is going to cheer me up. And maybe you'll hear the grumpy side of Ryan that I push down as much as possible while doing these roundups. The show began with Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. I hated it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the winner becomes the number one contender to Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship. Before the match, Becky Lynch attacked Dakota Kai and Io Sky, prompting them to run away through the crowd, and then Bianca Belair came out to sit ringside. Uh, okay, I know I said I hated it. I was joking. But something did feel off with this match. I'm not sure what it was either. It just felt like they weren't clicking on this night. And I... I I don't think that's the grumpy side of me coming out because I believe it or not, I have friends and I would texting. I text some during Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, and I was I was gonna text them to ask if it was a me thing or 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 the match was better than I was expected. And before I even could, they texted me to tell me that something felt off to them as well. And I so I, I am not alone here. I know there's at least one other person in the world who felt that way. But I don't really know what was the cause of it. Um, could have just been like an off night uh, for one of them, for both of them. Not sure. But um, I guess with two people of this caliber, you also have pretty high expectations. Uh, especially with the matches that we saw for them to get here. Uh, I think there was high expectations placed on the match. Um, but ultimately, the finish saw... Alexa Bliss take advantage of an interaction between Bianca and Bailey, allowing her to hit the twisted Bliss for the win. Bianca gets in the ring after to congratulate her with the Titantron, flashes the Bray Wyatt logo, and Alexa quickly snaps, causing her to start the Sister Abigail on Bianca, but then she quickly snaps out of it and shakes this off, walking to the back. All right, so I was wrong. Alexa won. Alexa is the number one contender now. I was wrong last week. And while I thought that Howdy would play part in the aftermath or in the, in the finish of the match, he inst- the, the the Bray Wyatt stuff did factor in somehow. I think that it's clear that whatever the storyline going on with Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair is going to be, it's going to partly center around the fact that Alexa Bliss is being sucked back into the funhouse or whatever's going on. She's being she's being sucked back into the mind control. Some the Uncle Howdy wants her to revel in what she is or they want her to pay for what he for what she did to the fiend. Either way, we're clearly going down that path. And I you know, 
if you read my articles when the Alexa Bliss Bray Wyatt stuff was going on previously, I was fairly harsh on it. But then months later, I interviewed Alexa Bliss on the show on Out of Character. And when I was talking to her about her motivations and what she was trying to bring to the table and what they were trying to do, it did give me a different point of view on the Dark Alexa character. And furthermore, I remember there being a part where she talked about wanting to go even darker with what they were doing, but they weren't allowed. They wanted to go even heavier, even more demonic, whatever. And I kind of feel like that's what they're being allowed to do now. I mean, Bray Wyatt hasn't even wrestled since he came back. Like, we, you know, there's this whole building process going on. There's a lot of setup going on for bringing Bray, or excuse me, for for bringing this whole storyline together, for bringing Bray Wyatt back, for moving forward from the funhouse. We've for months gotten Bray Wyatt and what's going on with Bray. It had been clear that Alexa was going to get sucked into all this as well. So back to what I was saying. If you followed me before, you know I was pretty harsh on this. Alexa did give me a different outlook on things. Wanted to go darker, she told me. And I kind of have... I have more hope in this one. I've enjoyed what's being done with Bray Wyatt. I've enjoyed what's happened with his return. I've enjoyed that we kind of have this like supernatural mystery going on. Without even, without even any matches that have happened. There's like this whole internal thing going on with Bray Wyatt that we've yet to uncover. I'm okay with that being drawn out. So I do like this. I want to preface that by saying that if it's too similar to what they were doing before, I am free to change my opinions. But I do want to give these two performers the benefit of the doubt. I want to give Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt the benefit of the doubt and see what they would have cooked up if given the opportunity back when they were doing stuff together before. I also think that, you know, in order for the Bray Wyatt character to move forward, he has to get past what happened at WrestleMania with The Fiend. I think as much as some people might not have liked all that stuff, continuity is so important to a viewer to make them feel like their time wasn't wasted to make them feel like the thing they were watching meant something you know I think that we'll see that later with Kevin Owens and Elias Um, so I'm okay with them digging back into this and paying that off finally I just want to preface that by saying I'm cautious because I did have a lot of criticisms for the last time that Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss were together next Chad Gable and Otis talk about being sprayed with milk by Kurt Angle, the OC walked by laughing at something Carl Anderson posted while in Japan for New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom, where he's going to defend the Never Open Weight title, and it leads to a challenge for a match between Chad Gable and AJ Styles. Chad Gable versus AJ Styles was up next. There was a great sequence here where Gable hit two German suplexes, and then AJ reversed the third and hit a drop something there, and AJ reversed the third. And hit a Pele, but then Chad hit a third German suplex. Anyway, AJ wins this one with an awesome Styles Clash that saw him do a rolling pin attempt and then roll backwards into the lifting setup for that Styles Clash. Once again, I saw someone else say it too. I think people are catching on. Chad Gable is the MVP of 2022. 
guy is just match after match after match after match after match, and they're all impressive. Some are different styles, some are different uh, vibes, but at the end of the day, he's wrestling great matches consistently for months on end. You got to give the guy credit. Of course, AJ Styles, no slouch in this one, and he's the one that won. But I just can't help but feel like Chad Gable deserves some sort of credit for the work he's done this year. He's been that, you know, I think he should be the workhorse of the year. The guy, uh, I don't know if that's the right term. Maybe, yeah, it is the thing. I don't know. You guys tell me which thing the right term is. I'm tired. My voice hurts. (sighs) How about you tell me once what you think? How about that? I'm just going to sit here in silence and you in your car or in your wherever you are, you tell me. Okay, did you get it out? All right, let's move on. Uh, Gargano and Dexter Loomis chat backstage about what to do with all the money Loomis won last week. Loomis won last week. That was hard to say. Loomis won last week. Loomis won last week. There we go. Uh, Candice Candice LeRae approaches them saying that she has a match later. But they have everything they need, so maybe they should give some of that money away. Worth noting that in the background, Nikki Cross continued to lurk while spying on Candice LeRae. Uh, she also, Nikki Cross, I'm taking a sip of this water. Hold on one second. Apologies for that. Uh, Nikki Cross, she also posted this video on social media where she's like talking to a drawing backstage that she's like drawn on the wall in chalk. And there's two dates on the the drawing that are worth noting. I saw um, at wrestling covers pointed this out on social media. Draven said, uh, Nikki cross with another possible sanity tease. The new drawings have 10, 12, 2016, which was sanity's debut and 11-21-18 was when she had a match with Candice in NXT. I was wondering, with what they're building here, we keep seeing in the background, we keep seeing Nikki Cross basically stalking Candice LeRae. I'm wondering if the reason we're still getting so much Gargano and Loomis stuff together and they want to... Um, they want to make sure on television that you know that Gargano and Candace are married now. Um, they're really leaning into all of that while each time in the background, Nikki Cross is lurking. I'm wondering if the next feud after the Gargano and Loomis versus Miz stuff is going to be Sanity versus The Way or whatever The Way is now. Johnny Gargano... Candice LeRae and Dexter Loomis, and we get three members of Sanity back because there's already been rumors that Eric Young is on his way back, former member of Sanity, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Nikki Cross's husband come back either. So, Killian Dane, so I would like to see that, um, and I like if that's what's going on that it's being set up in the background, similar to her original turn back into Nikki Cross. You kind of kept seeing things in the background. Until it finally boiled over on screen. I feel like that's what we're getting with all this Nikki Cross stuff. After that, Kathy Kelly interviews the Street Profits and Akira Tozawa in Gorilla. Montez says they came to Tozawa's aid last week because he's Akira Damn Tozawa. 
Then Dawkins says to Zawa, is there ninja? Zawa says he wants the smoke, then downs his cup, tears it apart, and hits the ring for Street Profits and Akira Tozawa versus Judgment Day. At one point in the match, Priest hit a pounce on Montez Ford outside of the ring that sent him flying over the announce table. Tozawa also got fired up near the end of the match and hit an awesome-looking running dive outside of the ring on Dominic, then a spinning DDT on Balor, and then one more move on Dominic. Tozawa then rushed to the top rope, but Priest was able to get him up for the razor's edge just by standing on the apron. Uh, it lacked, this looked cool to me because he's on the apron. He pulls him off just while standing on the apron is able to hit the razor's edge just while standing on the apron. Shows just how big of a dude he is. Shows how strong he is. And honestly, I felt like even though this match might not necessarily have been meant to be a showcase for... Damian Priest, I felt like he came out of this one looking the best. Felt like he really made an impact in this one. Well, it's a very cliche term there, but you know, like I felt like he really he looked so imposing in this match. And the way he was doing stuff, the the, the crispness of everything, the 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 way he was connecting with stuff, it just looked so impactful. That's the word I meant. That's 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 the cliche, but used correctly. Uh, I, I it felt like it was very everything he was doing just felt impactful, and it and it felt tough, and it made you want to see him beat up more people. Uh, I, I you know, and similarly, you can say what you want about Dominic, and 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 believe me, I see what everyone says on social media and stuff. Uh, say what you will about Dominic, but man, it is amazing to see. The heat this guy has. When he tags into those matches, the place goes berserk booing him. They hate him. They hate him, it seems like. Little Dom. We grew up watching Little Dom all these years, and it's amazing that he has that much heat with the audience. It truly is impressive to me. Now next, Gargano and Loomis walk up to the merch stand and they buy everything there with the money that they had won in last week's poker game. Gargano then says uh, he has an idea of how they can carry it all to the ring, and they bring it out in a little, in a little red, uh, little red cart. <laughs> the two then toss merch to the crowd in honor of Christmas as they walk to the ring. Gargano also shoots merch into the crowd with a gun. But Miz hops the barricade and takes the money as he tries to run off with it. Pierce forces him back to the ring to give Loomis his money. Miz asks to have a rematch for the money. And Gargano proposes a rematch for the money next week in a ladder match. Double or nothing. Winner take all for all the money. Miz says he doesn't have a lot of cash right now, but he'll find a way to get it for this match. Johnny also says... In order to get the match, he has to dress like an elf and give the rest of the merch out to fans in attendance. Photos are later shown of this happening. I gotta say, I... This is one of those situations where I don't know if it's the grumpiness in me right now. But I just feel like... I don't love Johnny Gargano being a mouthpiece for Dexter Loomis. 
I feel like Johnny Gargano has so much potential on the main roster. And right now, it kind of feels like he's relegated to, like, Dexter Loomis' manager. Like, he has to be the mouthpiece for Dexter Loomis because Dexter Loomis doesn't talk. And I feel like a better person can be used in that position. Johnny Gargano is way too talented to be a mouthpiece for someone right now. Johnny Gargano is still fresh to the main roster, and I'd like to see him being built up as such. I think one of my biggest, like, one of my biggest uh, gripes right now, I guess, one of my nitpicks, that's a better way of wording it, one of my biggest nitpicks right now is that a lot of these people who got brought back, that people were excited to see get brought back, aren't necessarily being built up afterwards. They're brought back, kind of put to where they were and slotted into the positions they were in before. But I think some of these people, you know, can get a push. I think Johnny Gargano, yes, this is a push. Don't get me wrong. He's basically feuding with The Miz. But the whole feud is about someone else. And it doesn't, it isn't really helping him when he should be caring about himself right now. Not to say that like every wrestler needs to be selfish. But I think that WrestleMania is coming up around the corner. And right now, he's been like in a comedy storyline for weeks and and months, maybe. I don't know, weeks. We'll say weeks because who knows how many weeks it's been. But like, I just feel like I would rather Johnny Gargano be doing something that like is building towards him possibly being in the U.S. title scene or... Something that isn't a joke because I worry that if he's seen as a joke guy for too long upon his start on the main roster, then he's going to get pigeonholed there. And I think he's far too talented to be pigeonholed as a comedy guy. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'll be back with my thoughts on the rest of the show. After that, we had what was, in my opinion, the match of the night. Eo Sky versus Candice LeRae. There was an awesome spot in this one where Candice was on the top rope. And EO hit a springboard drop kick that sent Candice flying over the rope. EO then tried to hit a running sunset flip through the ropes, but Candice reversed it and eventually hit a nasty looking poison rana. Now, some people might be like, oh, botch or whatever, but like sometimes little things like this, I mean, like as long as EO is okay, it just looked more painful. Like she slammed her down on the back of that neck. Uh, it was definitely, you know, it looked scary, but she continued to wrestle. In fact, EO even played into it. She was acting like she was weak and injured from it, but then uh, did that palm strike, which looked very good. Uh, I just really liked this match. I, they have chemistry together, and I think that uh, EO and Candice are both such seasoned talents that you have high expectations for them. And unlike the first match, which I don't want to like, feel like I'm like I'm crapping all over or anything but there were high expectations for that first match higher than there were for this match and yet in my opinion this was the match of the night these two just really put on a show really impressed really had me ooing and aahing reacting to things uh, caught in the moment uh, wondering who was gonna win so for that for me it was the match of the night I thought they 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 did the best. It was the most entertaining. I was the most engaged with this one, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, does, it helps that I'm a huge fan of both wrestlers, but really, I felt like they just really put it all out there and impressed. The finish came 
when Candace tried to hit her neck breaker from the top rope, but EO reversed it and hit the moonsault to get the win. Next, Kevin Owens is being interviewed backstage, and Elias asks if he'll be in his corner tonight for help. KO, aghast at the request, asks if Elias forgot the months of mental torment he was put through over the Elias-Ezekiel stuff. He also said the last time he was in the ring with Elias, he got hit with a guitar. So why would he trust Elias? Elias says that's all in the past, and Owens continues to get frustrated before leaving. I like that Kevin Owens is like the character in WWE who remembers continuity. Sometimes continuity can be thrown out the window, but Kevin Owens always seems to, his character anyway, always seems to remember everything. And his face when Elias asked him for help was was perfect. It was perfect. It was literally the face I make when someone's super toxic who helps me with nothing asks me to help them with things. And I'm like, uh, you get how awkward this is, right? You get how insane this is, right? But I also like that... They didn't drop this. That This is something that happened before, and it wasn't just like, okay, now that Triple H is in charge, and we want to do things the way we want to do things, we're going to forget all that happened. No, I like that Kevin Owens' character remembers, and that they play off of it a little bit, uh, and even later on as well. But I like that they, they kept that going, and that they're forever going to keep the Elias Ezekiel kayfabe up. I'll keep it alive. Keep that... Keep that Ezekiel Fabe alive. Uh, I, I like it. I, I I liked the Ezekiel thing. I thought Kevin Owens was very funny during it. So there's really no reason to pretend like it didn't happen. And the fact that the fact that Kevin Owens uh, took it so deeply to heart made me laugh. Next, Elias holds a concert with Riddle's face framed and his bongos on a table by themselves. He says it was Matt. It was Matt's dream to perform with him in the ring, so he thought he'd do something special for him in his absence. He says that he found some lyrics to a song that Riddle had written, and he was going to play it tonight. He then performs a song about Elias being his bro, but it gets interrupted by Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn. First, uh, all that uh, I will. You know, let me first get to the match. We got Elias. Versus Solo Sokoa. Solo wins this one with the spinning solo. Surprisingly, with little interruption from Sami Zayn. Solo and Sami continue the attack afterward, only for Kevin Owens to run out and make the save. Owens does a stunner on Solo. Then Sami Zayn bails from the ring. Solo tries to get back in and continue the fight, but Zayn holds him back. Elias makes an attempt to thank Kevin, but he's quickly hit with a stunner as well. A lot to unpack here. This part, so there's kind of like twofold to this. Yes, I liked the continuity between Elias and Kevin Owens. And the fact that Kevin Owens wasn't there to help Elias. He was just there because he still got beef with the bloodline. Makes sense to me. But it kind of goes, harkens back to what I was saying earlier in this episode how Elias is the guy who just recently got brought back, and yet he really, the way he's been handled since he got brought back, 
hasn't really blown me away. And I like the Elias character. I like the Ezekiel character too. But it hasn't really blown me away. And, you know, now he's losing to someone who's fairly new on the roster. Um, and while I don't have an issue with that necessarily because it's helping Solo, I'm just wondering, like, what they're doing with Elias. I mean, Elias, his greatest strength is being a heel. I just don't know if people want to like cheer along with Elias. He's best in riling the people and rallying the crowd up, making them hate him, making them dislike him. Zeke was the one that the people were behind. But this isn't Zeke anymore. This is Elias. And so um I've been a little confused at the way Elias has been used since he got brought back. I like though Kevin Owens not giving up on the bloodline. And I'm guessing that we're gonna see that we will see the continuation of whatever's going to happen between Sammy and Kevin Owens in the Royal Rumble. Next, we had Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. No face paint for Asuka, which was interesting, given, given her recent tweets. I brought this up on commentary as well. Uh, this was hard-hitting and intense. Uh, both superstars had a good show in here by bringing ruthlessness. At one point, Asuka almost kicked Dominic ringside. But Rhea slammed her into the side of the ring. Rhea then got her back inside the ring and almost hit the riptide. But Oscar reversed it into the Oscar lock. Dominic then puts Rhea's foot on the rope and, and uh, got the got the pin broken up. So Asuka hits him with a dead stare and spits him in the face with the mist. This allowed Rhea to hit the riptide for real though and get the win. I'm intrigued by whatever is going on. With Asuka. The no face paint. The different attitude on social media. You know, we've seen her be fairly happy-go-lucky on social media. Posting memes for a long time. Making jokes. Being silly. But I've noticed this shift on social media the past week or so. She's been a lot more serious. Been a lot more moody-sounding. I had a feeling it was character-based. And now here, we can see the frustration when she lost. You know, she loses this match, and afterwards you can see the frustration in her eyes. I think the the fan uh, speculation seems to be that Asuka might slip back into a version of her character that we haven't seen in WWE. It was kind of a version of herself when she wasn't in WWE, we've seen the pictures online of like the scary clown mask looking paintings and, you know, the real dark, scary looking uh, face paint that she did uh, different style. I am wondering if that's what we're about to see unleashed in WWE. I think that there are, there is room for more uh, heel female uh, wrestlers right now. I think that even though Damage Control has been doing their thing and they're kind of leading the charge uh, as being one of the focal points of Monday Night Raw, or at least they were for months, um, I think that the, now that Alexa Bliss is the number one contender for the Women's Championship, and I think that now that this is going off Asuka, we might see Damage Control take a little bit of a back seat for a while, uh, still doing the stuff in the tag division. But I'm one, it, it almost feels like they're going to back away from them being such a heavy focus of the show now that Bailey is not in contention for the title. And maybe just focus on you know, building up 
the the stable once again. Not necessarily as dominant, but maybe working on their uh, you know their their, uh, their their momentum again, getting some momentum back. And in the meantime, I think we're gonna get this Oscar, whatever this new Oscar is, and then also the new version of Alexa Bliss which is going to be the new version of Dark Alexa Bliss. So that, that seems to be where we're going here. And if that's the case, uh, I think if we're getting two heel turns right now, then damage control is going to have to shift things a little bit or take a little bit of a backseat uh, from the spotlight for just a little bit. Next, Dolph Ziggler cuts a promo backstage. He says the U.S. title is more than just the workhorse title or the focal point of Raw. It's a symbol of the best in the business right now. In theory, is only the U.S. champ on paper because a champion doesn't live like theory does. He doesn't know what it's like to carry a show, and Dolph does. Therefore, theory should be watching his back. I was very surprised at the lack of Austin Theory on this week's episode. Very confused. Uh, I know we saw him in the next match just watching on TV. To see who wins, because obviously he's affected by the winner. But I don't think that like Austin Theory is at a point yet where he can just not be on TV. I think that that hurts him to some degree. Uh, he if he wants to be seen, if they want, excuse me, if WWE wants him to be seen as the number one guy on Raw right now, I think we need a little bit more than just a one backstage uh, shot of him looking out on the TV. I think that. If what Dolph Ziggler is saying is true, that it, that the being the United States champion is a symbol of being the best in the business right now, you'd have that person on the show a little more than like five seconds. I still think that as much as I'm enjoying this new attitude for theory, I think that he still needs to be established in this role if they want him to be the number one guy on Monday Night Raw. And I don't think that he can just be seen that way as like a Roman Reigns who cannot be on the show and it's fine because he's an attraction i don't think austin theory is quite an attraction yet lastly <clears throat> you can hear me losing my voice over here uh lastly bobby lashley versus seth rollins winner becomes number one contender to the united states championship in the closing stretch of the match rollins went for the stomp but lashley snubbed it with the power of his neck and hit a power slam lashley then locked in the hurt lock Referee Chad Patton tweaked his ankle and got out of the ring. Lashley hit a spear after that, but Patton was slow to make the count because of his ankle, so it was only a two. Lashley went for another spear after that, but Rollins reversed it into the pedigree to get the win. Now, Lashley gets angry with Chad Patton because of this, and another ref approaches him from behind in a reactionary move. He elbows the referee down, which is exactly what Pierce told him not to do again last week. So Adam Pierce came out to reprimand him for hitting an official. And Bobby gets angry and shoves him into the barricade, which caused Pierce to fire him as the show came to a close. Oh, had to get that all out. Uh, intrigue, intrigue, intrigue. I mean, I like, uh, I like the show ending. With some sort of cliffhanger. People want to know what's going to happen with Bobby Lashley now. Is this the beginning of the setup for Hurt Business to be coming back? That seems to be the prevailing theory on social media. However, I haven't seen one person in 
I'm counting myself in this, who has been able to figure out how. <laughs> I don't know how reforming the Hurt Business brings him back into WWE. Um, I guess they could be rogue, but then all of them would have to get fired, and there's still the issue of MVP and Amos. So because of that, I am wondering how this leads to that. But most importantly is the intrigue. I want to know what's going to happen next week. I want to know how Bobby Lashley reacts to this. I want to see how they further this on social media over the next week. And that's the most important thing. They left me wanting more. As as grumpy as I may have sounded in this Raw roundup, the biggest compliment that I give here is that they left me wanting more. They left me wanting more next week. And that is always what's most important. I think that Triple H does understand that cliffhangers are super important. And that's exactly what this was. No, I don't think this was the match of the night. Like I said, that was uh, EO Sky and Candice LeRae, in my opinion. This one was too short to really ever get going. Uh, it felt like it was all kind of like there as a vehicle to get to the point where Adam Pierce fires Lashley. But I like that, you know, as this show ends, there are two big things that I'm wondering. What's going on with Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt? Now that we've seen the mind control is still is still in charge of Alexa Bliss, that the, the therapy did not work, apparently. Shocking, therapy didn't work. Uh, no, therapy is good. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but and th- and then also, what's going on with Bobby Lashley? Is he actually fired? How come Ronda Rousey can like get physical with everybody and just get a fine or a suspension or whatever, but Bobby Lashley gets fired? Seems unfair. That's what I see everyone tweeting me. Totally get it. But ultimately, I like that coming out of this show, we've got two big questions: What's going on with Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt, and how will Bobby Lashley's firing? continue next week we'll have to find that out next week before we do make sure that you subscribe to the wwe on fox youtube channel that's where you can find out of character every wednesday on video this week's guest is apollo cruz finally back with some new out of character content hope you eat it up (laughs) uh but make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character. That's where you can find YouTube shorts from Out of Character. You can find stuff in the community tab. You can find clips from Raw and SmackDown and so much more on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not already subscribed to it, make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed. You get the Raw Roundup, SmackDown Roundup, Out of Character, and Best Of on Sundays if you missed any of it and want a truncated version of what we talked about. You got it all, so make sure you subscribe here to the podcast. And if you feel inclined, leave a rating or a review. It does help us out, and I do read them on the show itself. Uh, Also follow us on social media, at WWE on Fox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can hear me out of breath. So, with that being said, uh, okay, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another Raw Roundup.